Hey gang, welcome back to the Backdoor Cover Network. I'm Phil, and we're we're uh, we're talking a little something different tonight. We're talking bowling. So I brought in two heavy hitters on the East Coast, starting off with ball driller extraordinaire Steve Pavlinko Jr. Steve, how's it going? It's going, man. It's going. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm I'm dealing with you two knuckleheads, so uh, doing the best I can. And then we have Steve's brother. Jason Pavlinko. Jay, what's going on? What's up, man? That's a perfect description, actually. It'll work perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got uh we've got two two big brain bowler guys, and we've got the PBA Delaware Classic this weekend. So it's happening right in our backyard. And we're betting on this thing. We we built a whole algorithm for it. So I figured we ought to get some help. So, Steve, tell the folks what your experience is with bowling. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, well, I've been bowling my entire life. Um, I dabbled a little bit on the PBA national tour on a few different smaller stents. I uh, was a full-time regional guy for probably six or seven years. Um, did a, a lot of weekend warrior stuff, uh, local amateur events or, you know, bigger ones throughout the country. So um, my fair share of experience kind of getting beat up and, and understanding what's going on out there. Yeah, and you, you with, did, some, uh, with some success sprinkled in as well. I was just going to say you did win a regional. I remember. I do have a regional title. Um, I was a one and done, I guess you could say, but it's not over yet. The shoes mm-hmm. aren't bronze and on the wall. They are. They are certainly not. Uh, and you also made the cut at the Masters one year, I believe. I have a couple cuts at the Masters. Uh, the USBC Masters has been my kind of uh, claim to fame. I've been a couple wins from the show. Uh, on one occasion, and I've made the match play a couple other times and cashed a couple other times. So um, anytime you can add a major being contention, I feel like it's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. I was in one of those tournaments where you made the cut. I was about 300 under, so it was uh, it was pretty cool to, uh, to watch you get it done. Jay, on to you, buddy. You are actually bowling in this tournament. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, I'm going to have a uh, first-hand experience in there. I, I, the past couple of years, unlike Steve, I've been doing a lot of more regional bowling. And the uh, past couple of years in this center, I've had some good success, you know, regional wise. And so I figured I would uh, find my way into the PTQ, which isn't the main event. I have to bowl seven games to get into the main event. But uh, yeah, that's just seven more games than everybody else has to bowl. That's all. That is for sure. And and actually, uh, there was a guy that bowled the PTQ, the, the qualifier last week and made the TV show. Benji yeah, Martinez. Yeah, man. That's the goal. It's the ultimate goal. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I think you got the game for it, man. I've, I've seen it firsthand. Plus, we, we all have experience in the, the Middletown Center. Um, yep. Yeah. So, before we talk about next week, let's talk about what we saw on TV this week, or, or last week, I should say, uh, over there in Indiana. Kyle Troop won the Indiana Classic. He, he won a few matches. EJ Tackett, another choke job on television. Um but what I want to talk about is the scoring pace of the Viper pattern. Could, who wants to talk about that? I, I'll actually go in on that because it's funny. I won my regional title on the Viper, and it was the highest scoring regional uh, that pretty much anyone has ever seen. Um, some stat gurus will probably know better than I, but uh, I'm pretty sure there was 10 300s the weekend that I won my regional, me being one of them, thankfully. Um, the scores were astronomical, literally insane. Uh, so it's not surprising to see that the best in the world made a, a, 
I guess I'm kind of a mockery of the pattern because they're a hundred times better than any of us. Um, so seeing, you know, 240 average to make the show and 230 average to make the top 32, not very surprising to me at all anyway. Yeah, yeah I mean, for, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of watching actually uh, over, I, I always watch Bowl TV like nonstop when I'm in the shop and whatnot. And I mean, they're just, it seems like they're playing on a different playing field because I mean, if we go out and I put that thing out on the, on the end pair of Deffert Phil and we went out and bowled, I bet we wouldn't average 230. And uh, like you said, I'm bowling this weekend. So it's not like it, it, it's such a different level. But at the same time, the scoring pace being that high, I mean, you give those guys an inch, that's where they take it. It's it's pretty phenomenal to watch. Yeah, it looked like, uh, you know, I'm a Bolt TV subscriber as well because we're betting on this this stuff. Right. Uh, so it, it, it looked like early in the block they were playing urethane right, right up the twig. Yep. And then, you know, at a game and a half, they took a 20-step, you know, uh, move left and just started leaning on it is, yeah, and, it, that... and it didn't really move from there i mean they once they got left with the what once they got into reactive they stayed there and they didn't move they had they had their hook right and they had their little shim they made for two games at the combined you know team basically it seemed like they all were doing the same thing and the lanes got very very easy yeah yes they did yeah. yes they did. i mean let's not discredit how smart these guys and their ball reps are because on the adverse, what Jay said is they worked as a team and made them virtually, you know, as easy as humanly possible for themselves. If they weren't as smart as they were, that scoring pace at 240 could simply be 205 doing the wrong thing. Like there was some guys who struggled for one reason or another, and as easy as they were, they're not bad bowlers. They either didn't match up, didn't see the lean right. So you see the guys that are averaging 240, but there's also guys that, you know, average 210 or 15, which doesn't seem like a lot, but over um, over the course of the week, it, it, it piles up when you see the big disparity from, you know, the, who's in 32nd making the cut and who's in 40th or 50th. It looks like a lot of pins, but it's you're talking to hit a game against the best in the world. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly right. There were some yeah. big names that, that struggled. Go ahead, Jay. No, so not to bring this up early, but, I mean, you saw on the left side of the lane, I think, where the biggest thing was. They were in play, really, the first block. Those guys came back for the second and third block, and the right, the righties just made them that much easier where the left didn't break down like that. And there was six lefties in the bottom 10 of the field after the first, after the all 18 games finished. So when Packy led after the first six. So it was just kind of, I think they made them easier to an easier pattern. Yeah, yeah. And you're talking it. not not to the, the the bottom six you're talking about. You're talking about Parker Bone, who's one of the top ten best bowlers of all time. Thirty five plus titles. God knows how many senior titles. Brian Simonelli, U.S. Open champion. Michael Martell, second place in the Masters last year. So again, you're not talking about guys that are bowling league with you and I. Um, that are just coming in the bottom six. These are decorated bowlers. You know, these are guys that know what's up. Yeah, Parker Bone takes uh, bracket money off me every year at the uh, <laughs> the, the state tourney. So, um, you know, he's just he's so good. But all right, so now we're we're heading to Delaware. Uh, we get the show in our backyard, and what we've seen this year so far is is kind of a a very clear cut top five uh, players. You know, so far this year, you got EJ Tackett, Anthony Simonson, Kyle Troop, Marshall Kent. Billy O'Neill, and then everybody else. Um, is that going to be the stepladder, or are we going to see anybody come through here? Uh, Steve, what do you think? Um, I mean, with this week specifically, uh, you know, I have a lot of experience in that center. Um, they hold at least one regional there every year. 
for the last 15 years or so. Um, so it's tough to say because it depends on how the pattern plays. That center, very pair to pair centric, you know, you catch some good pairs, you bowl 250. You catch some bad pairs, you got to find a way to bowl 90. And I think on a longer pattern like the Billy Hardwick, it's 44 feet. Um, it just really depends on how it plays on that surface. Uh, it's a very high friction surface. The fronts tend to hook very quick. Um, so it's just really going to depend what plays and, and kind of how it shakes out. You know, I'll have a better idea. Truthfully, I'm going to go down and probably try and watch practice session. Um, and, I, and I'll know obviously within 15, 20 minutes of watching, you know, what we're going to see. But if I had to guess, obviously pre beforehand, you're going to see, um, I think it's going to be a tougher scoring pace this week than last truthfully. Well, that, that would be, better to watch you know because nobody likes to to watch a score fest um but jay oh. how, how are you going to break this pattern down do you think you know it's it's 40 foot 44 feet it looks like it's it's asymmetrical so the the left is a little bit different than the right um steve says it it hooks early so does that take urethane out of play what, what do you what are you thinking about doing yeah so i mean like he said the past i mean the past couple of years that i've bowled there i've cashed and i made the top eight actually last year um in the in the big regional there the super regional they called it last year um, but that's also, um, there's a difference in urethane now. I mean, before the past couple of years, we've all kind of, you know, urethane has been the purple hammer and the pitch blacks and stuff like that. And I feel like that's kind of been taken out of play a little bit on the PBA tour this year where, you know, those balls aren't hooking as much. So that's going to take differences, how people start and how they play them, you know, into effect. Um, my plan as always in that building has been to stay a little further right to start one, two games, get yourself, you know, in a good place to be able to move left and really get some score in the middle part of the block when they kind of open up a little bit. Um, they usually play pretty tough there, though. I mean, the scores I can only base on what we've seen the past couple of years, and there's never been a cut that's 100 over for a top 16. I mean, there's always around 20, 30 over, 40 over to make a cut in that building. So it's never been high, high scoring on multiple patterns. So, I mean, like I said, I think I'm just going to kind of play it straighter hopefully to start and get yourself, get myself in an okay position to make some score the last couple of games and not, you know, force myself into a bad spot early. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that'd be great. We, we want you to get through this PTQ so we can go ahead and bet on you because we are, uh, we're just a degenerate nation here. We, we will bet on anything, uh, darts included, right? Arch? <laughs> um, so, you know, you're, you're right-handed, Steve's right-handed. Um, what we, we haven't seen a lot of on television are the lefties. Um, you know, Jesper Svensson, who has a, a Hall of Fame resume. Jacob Buttruff, we haven't seen much of him. Packy, he, he led a squad, um, you know, last week, and then he was gone, Graham Fa. Um, what do we expect from those guys this, this week? So I, I'm going to – I'll take that one first because um, I'm going to sound like a little bit of a hater because righties and lefties obviously hate each other. Um, well, righties hate lefties, whatever you want to call it. Um, the riddance of the purple hammer and the 73 hardness urethanes has changed the outlook and how the left-handers play the lane. They're forced to do things, uh, and play a part of the lane that they haven't done in a very long time. I'm not taking any away from anyone. Don't take it as I'm saying people stink, but Look at guys that were relevant for the past five to nine years or five to seven years since the Purple Hammer came out. Maybe it's been closer. I don't even know exactly. And look at them now. Um, there was guys that were using, you know, 
the purple hammer, the same ball for weeks on every pattern, every lane service didn't matter. And now they're virtually not relevant. Uh, so that's a big factor in kind of what's going on with the lefties. Um, you know, Matt Russo isn't one of those guys and you've seen him on TV. Packy, you know, I think Packy right now is the best left-hander on tour because he's consistently there. Graham Fa, you know, he's a shot maker. He's consistently there. The guys that are more versatile are the ones that are still surviving. And the guys that lived and died by the purple hammer and the pitch black are the guys that are struggling, which is unfortunate, but it's the nature of the beast. Yeah. And I think I mean, specifically, you know, this week on 44 feet, these new 78 hardness urethanes <laughs> on long patterns, they've proven virtually useless. So even with this higher friction surface, it makes them, I, I would think, even less useless, even more useless because, you know, it's long. There's oil down lane and there's, you know, the, the, the surface hooks in the front. So the ball's got no chance of working unless you have a special trick. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense what you're saying there because uh, I think Jesper and uh, Butters are probably the most affected by the, uh, the Purple Hammer being outlawed. You know, uh, Butcher was on TV every week when that thing was in his hand. Um, and like you said with Russo, uh, boy, he, he's, he's got that slow loop and he's been making it work. He's, he's made every cut for the last month. So that, that's been cool to see. Jay, uh, do you want to weigh in? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree at all. I mean, I watched it every week on the PBA tour when we watched it and on the, on the Vol TV and we saw it even more in the regional side of it where, I mean, I bowled every regional last year cause I joined and I was trying to be the rookie of the year. So I bowled every one. And there wasn't one regional that we walked into as a group of people and the first two balls on the rack weren't two different purple hammers or on the storm guy's side, they were pitch blacks. And if they didn't work, usually the scores were lower. If they worked, the scores were higher and the same guys won most of the time. So it, it, we saw it on the, you know, the small regional side and you see, saw it every week for, for years on the PBA side. But now you don't see it. They, those guys use them, but by the time the practice session on the TV pair is done, no one started with it other than this week, and they were 37 feet, and that's when you're going to use them. So it's definitely made a massive difference for those guys. Yeah, yeah, it sure has. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of these these groups on on Bet Rivers. That's who offers ex- extensive uh, bowling markets so far, and I'm looking at Group B, and Group B has Marshall Kent as the favorite, three to one. These are five five bowler groups. Don Barrett, another right-hander, plus 350. And then you got the lefties. You've got uh, Packy Hanrahan, who, you know, Patrick. So uh, let's see, he's plus 350. Jacob Buttruff, plus 375. Jesper, plus 375. It sounds like there might be some value on either Kent or Don Barrett uh, by, you know, what you guys are saying, that maybe the lefties are, are out of their league here. Is there any value on either of these matchups, fellas? I'd probably say... Uh... Again, based off of history of what's going on in the center, uh, some years ago, Jason Couch won the uh, Super Regional back-to-back years. Um, and I think since then, there hasn't been much lefty success in that building, at least sustained lefty success. Um, that doesn't mean that this week they can't find it, but I would think the value based off of what's happened this year is on you know, Marshall and Dom in that specific segment. And then, you know, it's tough to rule out Packy because he's been there. But Jesper and, and Butcher, I think, are just no bets. Dustin. Yeah, I mean, I know, uh, I know Packy, um, I believe the doubles was around here last year. And he did he win this last year here? He did. 
in yeah, with so, the doubles with uh, Mitch Hupe. Right. So I think that's the only thing that really scares you out of, out of saying the lefties aren't going to kind of thrive here. But I mean, I'm never, I, you know. They're also on 44 feet, right. which they get very choppy. Again, thinking about how the righties are going to have to play the lane on a surface that hooks. They're going to be in the lefties' laydowns quick. Yeah. And Especially now with the urethane is not really being as as hooking where they, they're going to start out with more reactive than they'll ever do. So, I mean, listen, if this was last year, this is a purple hammer fest for three four games on yep. both sides of the lane, or on the right side of the lane, without question, which then makes it nicer for the lefties because they don't have that much traffic. With the urethane now that, you know, I'm not really big on it, um, they're going to, the righties are going to be in the lefties lay down rather quick. So, I would think that, uh, you know, the lefties are going to struggle this week again, unless, you know, there's always the one guy that figures it out. You never know. Yeah. It'll probably be Russo. (laughs) And I I think they've been beating them urethanes up pretty good with the the surface and trying to find a getaway, get them to work on these longer patterns. And I'm not saying it's not going to, but if you start, they start putting 360 and a hard 500 on these balls, they're going to, they're going to curve a little more. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything until I see it on the lanes, which we will, but. We shall see. All right, I'm back. I, I lost it for a second there, fellas. I, I apologize for that. Uh, let's, That's okay. Uh, there was a, a guy I wanted to talk about. He's been a pretty big surprise to me this year, uh, maybe because I've been out of the game for six or seven months uh, with my, my arm injury. But Zachary Wilkins, so he, yeah, he's, he's the favorite here in Group C. We saw him on TV uh, on, on Saturday. He's plus 320 against... Chris Prather, plus 320. Chris Vi, plus 360. AJ Johnson, plus 360. He's having a whale of a year. And Tom Doherty at four to one. Yeah. Um, boy, this is this group is tough. Uh, Prather was he was so good, you know, two years ago, and we just haven't seen much from him. Uh, AJ Johnson been bowling great. Doherty making every cut. Vi, he's hot and cold. Is there any reason not to play Wilkins here? I mean, he's just he's a cut making machine. This guy. I think if you're asking me out of that group, I think there's no other bet other than Doherty at plus 400. I think he's made every top 10 this year or every top 15. He was in there and, and Zach, Zach Wilkins as well. I think he's top like seven or eight on the points, but I think Doherty's got a, uh, got an edge there at the, at the the highest odds. And I think, I think he's got a little edge over the field in, the, in that group specifically. Sure. Steve, what do you think? Doherty 1000% yeah. to play. Um, again, I'm very blunt and honest. Everyone that listens that knows me, know, you know, they know that Phil, you know, that obviously Jay, you know, that, um, when the lanes play as soft as they did last week, um, it allows for variety. That's why you got Benji on the show and you got Zach on the show, obviously Kyle and Simon, uh, Kyle and, um, Marshall and EJ are three of the hottest five bowlers on tour. So them being there is not surprising. But you had below that, you had a mix. You know, you had Christian Ascona sighting. You had obviously Doherty uh, and Benji and Zach made the show. With anticipating lower scores, I'm going to err on the side of uh, the veteran. And Doherty is 100% to play, especially yeah, at four I, to one. Good value I, there. I uh, I don't hate betting against Doherty. I mean, he's been a, a money making machine for us so far this year. 
And I think he he's still paying for his entry fees with the uh, the bracket money he won from me in Vegas <laughs> in 2022. So I remember uh, that story. That was fantastic, man. Yeah, yeah. For for some of us, it was a fantastic story. But um, <laughs> do you fellas, I, I know you had a, a second to peruse the outrights. Uh, you know, this is obviously we're not gonna we're not gonna you know put your reputation on on the uh, mm. the line for these. But is there anybody that stuck out that whose odds just looked a little too long? I'm sorry. I, had, I, I, I did have one I actually. Um, uh, I like Jason Sterner more than uh, more than most of the guys in that in that kind of like plus five thousand to plus three thousand range. Um, I watched him bowl here the past two years actually, and I think he he won. He beat me. Well, maybe it's a little personal. He beat me in the top eight last year here, and I believe he made the top eight. He won the tournament last year, and he beat me in the and he won in the top eight the year before. So taking a guy like Sterner at uh, 37 is uh, is pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, just overlooking it, you know. The guy has just a, a top 10 haircut on tour, uh, <laughs> and probably top five physical game. I mean, he's yeah, he's awesome to play, watch. Man. Yeah, he he's he's awesome. Uh, Steve, was there anybody that stuck out to you that, that you like? Um, obviously, you're going for long shots. Um, BJ Moore, uh, at six. Uh, sixty-six to one. Ooh, um, he's plus sixty-six hundred. I think that is uh, a really nice play. Uh, BJ likes to throw it hard. There's going to be friction. I think BJ uh, is going to be there throughout the week. Obviously, he's a great bowler. I mean, um, he's been there numerous times this year. I don't think he's necessarily closed off, and you know, he's petered out a little bit. But I think when he gets his, it's it's really good. So BJ plus 6,600 looks really good. I also um, think Richie Allen could be a play. He's kind of a dark horse when it comes to lower scoring patterns where you kind of kind of keep it in front of you and keep the ball in play. Great spare shooter. Um, you know, when they're dirty, he's there. Rash. And I mean, you can pick, you can, I can give a reason for every long shot that's reputable why they can win. But, you know, my top two are probably Richie Allen and BJ Moore. I like that. I like that. And, and you know, you're probably right that you can make a case for, for a lot of these uh, longer shot guys. I mean, you got, got Frankie Lavoie down here, 60 to one. Now he's been bowling poor, um, but that's a major title winner right there. I yep. mean, they, there, there is value in this. Open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he can. I, it, I revert back to my experience in the center and bowling there and competing. They're always lower scoring. The guys that can grind and bowl two ten, no matter what's on the lane, are the guys I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of, whether they're plus fifteen thousand or whether they're you know even money. Um, that's just just how I see it. The way it shakes out at the center, I could be totally wrong. We could review this in a week and say, "Wow, you're an idiot." <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we might we might do that, um, which is fun. Know, I've been an yeah. idiot before, and I will be an idiot again. <laughs> But I, mean, I, I promise you, BJ real quick though. I don't think yeah, he's missed a cut other than he didn't bowl in the USBC event, which was the US Open. I don't think he's missed a cut, and maybe once out of the four main events. But he got knocked out in the first round against Jake Peters, I think, in the one with the best of seven. Um, and also, they have to take that into consideration with these these futures. I mean, these guys are the best in the world for a reason. There is no clear advantage when they're bowling a best of seven most times. Yeah, I mean, we we saw that with uh, with EJ. Unless Tackett. you have Tommy Jones, 
Right. <laughs> but, you know, to, just to your point, uh, Jay, EJ Tackett, when he bowled Jake Peters, he outscored Jake Peters by yeah. over 200 pin scratch and lost the match 4 3. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why this format, once they cut to 24, man, you have 24 people that I would almost put within, no one should be more than like seven to one to win the event at that point. Yep. Love it. Love it. I mean, these are. These are NASCAR numbers, which is why I think uh, you know we we gravitated toward this market. Um, but there, there's also a a tournament long section of head to heads, and it was one that that you know stuck out to us pre show, and it's two big names. We've got Jason Belmonte. He's minus one twenty two. He's a favorite over Bill O'Neill minus one twelve. And, and we were you know talking a little bit. Bill O'Neill, kind of player of the year candidate. Jason Belmonte, big name. Steve, let's start with you. Um, are we leaning to Bill O'Neill here? I think it's not even a question. I've known Bill a very long time. Uh, I'm thankful to call him a friend. Um, I'm going to throw a little dig at him. I beat He, he is 0-1 against me. I beat him on the way to my regional title. Uh, so if he listens to this, he'll get a laugh. But I think Bill is throwing it the best he ever has in his life. Don't let four bad shots on TV fool you. You know, a yeah. couple washouts, a couple two tens. Don't let that fool you. This guy is throwing it amazing. Bill over Belmo right now, all day. Yeah, and and you know the the shots he made on TV that you're referring to that ended up badly. You know, with the the score tracker tracer shot thing. You know, they weren't that bad of shots. Um, you know, the, the, the I mean, ball you're just, talking you missed by two boards at the U.S. Open. Yeah, he the ball just didn't see it. Um, Let's not forget that he threw the first six flush, dead flush. Just, Dead nutted. And, you know, you said Bill O'Neill. He's 0-1 against you. Jason Bomonte, he's 0-1 against me. Uh, Jay, <laughs> what do you what do you think about this matchup? Uh, man, you know, uh, it's just like he just said. I mean, I said since week one when we watched Bill just run over the field in the first tournament that no one was throwing it better than him. And when they when you put them one-on-one against each other, if they like I said, if they were to bowl a best of seven to get into the tournament, I mean, I'm taking – like into the TV show, I'm taking – I'm going to take Bill. But – you're also talking about Belmo who hasn't made a show in, you know, three weeks. And that guy, he, he sets a fire under his own ass most of the time. As you can see, when he gets in a, in a rut, he usually finds his way back somehow. Uh, there's no way to ever say, uh, you know, Belmo missed five cuts or five tournaments in a row. That um, hasn't happened. So, right. you know, they just have yeah, to look at I mean, it that way. As a tournament long thing, they're both going to probably make the cut. So you're saying one's going to average 220 and one's going to average 224. And that's kind of where you're at with it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I would probably take, uh, I would probably take Belmo, but that's just, uh, he hasn't bowled good in a while and we're on a longer pattern. So I'll take that. We lost Phil J. Uh, on the matchup side of things, it's uh, there's no real value. I mean, you could truthfully flip a coin. I mean, you're talking minus one seventeens to minus one seventeens, um, and even honestly, even the guys where there's a little bit of a of value with you know minus one twelve to minus one twenty two, it's still a coin. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Man, I am having some computer issues tonight, fellas. Man, I, I, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, on the yeah, but, on I, the, I was, but on the best on the on the matchup side, it, it's really a coin flip. I mean, yep. you have a couple lefties. You have Jesper and Jacob paired up. 
Yeah, they paired uh, all the lefties yeah. together, which is kind of smart on the on old Bet Rivers. Smart way to go, buddy. Way to go, Bet Rivers. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to, well, if you wanted to go through and just bet on all the lefties, you bet if you're going to have a good week, you can't do that because you're going to cost yourself money. Right. Yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. Yeah, it's it. Other, I don't know. The matchups are are a tough one. Yeah, I like uh, I like AJ Johnson over Chris Vi. Um, it looks like you know Vi has just been he's been so hot and cold up and down. Um, he lost a, a a block matchup for us last week. He, he needed a 179 in the last game just to to win that one, and I think he shot a buck fifty. So I'm I'm holding some ill will, uh, and I, I just like the way AJ Johnson's been been throwing the rock. Do you, do you, Jay, do you have any um, any opinion on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think AJ Johnson's been bowling fantastic. I bowled with AJ when I was in college, actually. Um, and he's he's amazing. Um, I don't know, you you just mentioned that. It's funny. I looked at the uh, to make match play round. And they have AJ and Tom Doherty are post, both plus money to make, uh, you know, to yes to make match play, um, which is kind of strange to me. Um, but I mean, that kind of sticks out uh, as a bet. You say it sticks out to you. I mean, that's definitely one where a guy Doherty hasn't finished less than 12th all year and he's plus one of five to make match play, which is yeah, a top 24 I mean- in a 64 person field. So, um, Something like that really sticks out. AJ's in that same boot. I mean, he's he's hasn't had a bad event really at all. So, yeah, um, that, that that feels really good. And you know, yeah. <laughs> placed around him, you see a guy like Matthew Ogle, um, who guttered uh, in the tenth on a double to lose us a matchup. So we're we're going to stay away from him. Yeah, um, yeah, we avoid him. I agree. Yeah, we're 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 done with Matt. <laughs> um, Steve, do you have anything else that sticks out to you? I'm looking, and I, I mean. Some long shots to make the step ladder. I mean, you can never really count Tommy Jones out, especially at six to one. Um, With success so, in the I building mean, before as well. He's more well success in the building. But again, I mean, six to one's probably really not good true odds if he, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, Darty probably... to make the show again. You're, I mean, Darty, you know, plus four twenty five. You're talking has he's knocking on the door. Uh, you know, they're. There's some value. AJ Johnson's made a couple shows this year. He's plus four twenty five this weekend to qualify to the step ladder. You know, you can you can make some bets there and, and there's some value. Marshall, two and a half to one. He's made two shows in a row. Uh Kyle just won. He's two to one. So to make the show, obviously there's gonna be good odds of yes, it's a long shot, but you're talking top five out of sixty four. But some of the guys that have been knocking on the door is some good value. Yeah, that that's that's true. I mean, and you get a guy like Anthony Simonson, even money. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody better on on planet Earth than this cat. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Just, See, I mean, even so money to make the show is crazy. Last week, I don't know if you watched a lot, Phil. I did. He was 150 back with six games to go. With the game to go, he was within nine pins. Yeah. Yeah. Now that he rolled to 60 or 270. And, and that's the, the scoring pace. That's where the scoring pace for 240 is not gaining pits. Um, the prior two games, he had a couple hits where he lost big count. Not, not big count, but, you know, you turn a five-bagger, turn, turns into two doubles instead of a five-bagger. Um, he had a couple of wrap tens, a couple of stone eight, stone nine, in really bad spots that he's on the show by 100 if he gets the hits he should get. So like Simo is always a good bet. He's just he won in this building throwing it back up. He won back up, yeah. Back up yep. In this building. 
this is he, you just can't count him out ever. He's always a safe bet. It's like you know, I don't know in the in the it's like you, the like cardinal rule of football betting for like fifteen years, but don't bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> don't don't bet against Anthony Simonson, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I I can't just I can't. I can't say anything other than he's the. I think he's the best bowler in the world. You mentioned something about you know Billy, all those guys. I think there's no one better as a bowler overall than, uh, than he, and uh, Simo. So, um, and no one wants it more. And week after week, he wants he he's the smartest guy out there usually. And no one wants to win more. Only win more than him. Finishing in the top five is just an absolute disappointment to a guy like him, knowing him really well. Um, and if he doesn't finish in the top five, he goes and changes something, or he'll change something the next week to try to you know improve on that. It's just it's just amazing him as a bowler. So yeah, yeah, yes, sir. And well, his strategy, his strategies. One more thing, seem really far fetched until you realize he's the most successful person on tour outside of EJ Tackett the last two or three years. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, when he's on TV, he's he's in a different part of the lane than than anybody else can play. Uh, he can trick his role. I mean, he he's got so many different tools in his tool belt. It's it's outstanding. And you know, um, maybe come on the show and, and tell us about it. Who knows? But hey, man, listen, I can, I, I, we, we can make a comment. Whatever. That. <laughs> yeah, that that would be that would be awesome. But uh, guys, this was our inaugural bowling show. I don't even know what we're going to call it yet. But uh, Jay, best of luck tomorrow. Thank Got you. your ball rep with you, Steve. Um, nah, he won't be there, I man. Not be there. I have Who knows what you have? You know, sucking on all those marbles over yeah. there. But <laughs> real Jay, quick, before, uh, before you end, ahead. real quick, there is a bet for the BBA League uh, Elite winner, whatever that is. So the Waco team is plus thirteen hundred. If they win two matches, they're back in the top six and have a chance at it. So I would just I would just kick a peek at that, Phil. Being a degenerate, and take a little a dabble in that. We are degenerates. Two, if you win two or three matches, they get back into the top six cut to, to bowl for the title. It's just every bowler. I mean, it's just a, a, a group of really good bowlers bowling against another group. So, uh, who, who's on that, that team? Who, who are uh, we rooting for? Stewie. I, I know Stewie's on that team. I don't know exactly. I just know Stu for I, sure. Is it, uh, is it Parker, Simonelli? Yeah, yeah, Stu. yeah. Yep. If they find their way to win one or two more games and they get back into that number six, man, that's it's an actual crapshoot once it comes to that. So, uh, that's all about that. All right. Well, we're, we're uh, going to get players in the Waco Wonders. Parker, Simonelli, Stu, Mitch Hupe, DJ Archer, yep. and Tom Hess. Parker yep. is a player manager. Yep. Yeah, and, and DJ, he's, he uh, he takes the fronts out of it right off the get-go, DJ, no matter nice. what they're bowling on. Yeah. Yes, sir. And, and Hupe, Arch, that's a Canadian fella. So yeah. that, that's your kind of guy. So this this is our team. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> he's probably... He's probably so, is so is Wilkins, by the way. Wilkins, uh, the guy with top top five or top six in the uh, in the world in points right now, is the Canadian guy. Yeah, yeah, he he uh, he is a an odd looking twenty seven years old. I mean, he um, he's, he's got some ex- he's got some experience under his belt. But fellas, I just want to thank you both for for joining us today and, and doing this show. And hopefully, we can do it a lot more. Uh, we got a major coming up in a couple weeks, so we'll uh, we'll run this thing back. Steve, thank you. Jay? For sure, man. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Best of luck. Thank you, man. Anytime. Arch, shut us down. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be liable for damages related to its contents.